We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? I am ready for some rapid fire, believe it or not. So I think I stole kind of part of this question that we were just talking about. Scale of 1 to 10, how do you rate Sam Hartman's chances to lead Notre Dame into the college football playoff? Yeah, so going back to kind of the teams that I thought Notre Dame should beat and then kind of those maybes, you know, assuming everything goes right, which uh, after last season we can't necessarily do that, you know, looking at the Stanford game, um, and, and the Marshall game, assuming they take care of business in the other nine games, they got to go two and one in the Ohio State USC Clemson if they want a, a definite shot. Um, so overall, I put this at an eight um, out of 10. And how I got to that is I took um, let me make sure. I, yeah, I did. I did nine divided by 12, assuming that they win all the games that they're supposed to. That's 70, you know, a point seven five. Um, and then, like I said, I think they win at least one of those Ohio State clemson usc game so that rounds you kind of up into that eight region mm-hmm. um so yeah i am gonna stick at a solid eight out of ten and if they can go two out of one in those three games i'd put it at like a nine and a half out of ten yeah i'm seven and a half eight i'm i'm you are extremely confident i'm a little less but still pretty confident i definitely think they have to win at least two of those three games now that's you know not knowing what anyone else is going to do there's no guarantee once you lose a game there's no guarantee that you're going to get in, but because of that schedule, and now that's obviously also assuming that you're not going to slip up anywhere else. And this is something that we've talked about before. Are they past the slip-ups, Stanford and Marshall, from last year? You know, that's that's a big part of it as well. But if they do go 3-0 in those games, then you're, you're most likely zipping right in there. I find it interesting that Notre Dame has plus 3,000 odds to win it all right now they show up you know i think around like the 10th best odds something like that 10th or 12th right now in vegas at plus 3000 so they're sitting pretty solid right now i like their chances and again when you go back you look at what they've got like people are talking about if they get defense and sam hartman sam hartman having sam hartman and the points that the offense is going to be able to score this year gives you a little more cushion with the defense. And I think the defense is going to be fine. I think the defense is going to be improved now health and depth, you know, depth slash, you know, like that could be an issue in some areas, like specifically 
the secondary, especially the back end, but we'll see if that gets addressed here in the offseason if they go out and try to get somebody. But I like what they've got on defense, and based on all those head-to-head matches we were talking about before, just going into the season, the only time Notre Dame won't have a head, you know, a head-to-head advantage at the quarterback position is when they play USC with Caleb Williams. So I like their chances in those games. I'd like still like to have Ohio State a little bit earlier to take advantage of some of that quarterback inexperience, but there's only so much you can do about that. So which has the better chance to happen, Jess? Hartman wins the Heisman Trophy, or he's a top five draft pick next year? Um, you know, I'm going to go with that he has a better chance at the Heisman because you start looking at top five quarterbacks. There's usually only one drafted, I think, in the top five. You know, sometimes two might squeak in there. Um, and, and this year, I think you'll see a kind of a similar trend as maybe one or two in the top five. And I just don't see Sam Hartman as being the number one quarterback in the entire class. And I don't see him being the number two quarterback in the entire class. And that's, you know, nothing against Sam Hartman. Um, and, and again, this might change if he if he can really put on a show this year uh, within Notre Dame's offense and maybe answer some of the questions, lingering questions and doubts um, that people have about him. But right now on paper, I just don't see him as being the top quarterback of the entire class. And so for that reason, that's why, you know, playing the probability and the odds, I would lean more so towards the Heisman because if he can have a great year and Notre Dame can go on to the to the playoffs um, and maybe, you know, win and make it to the actual national championship and who knows, maybe even win the national championship overall, then you kind of have to look at, you know, what's the big difference between last year's Notre Dame and this year's Notre Dame. And that would that be Sam Hartman. You. Yep. And so I think that's where I, I would lean more so in the Heisman um, in this kind of conversation. Yeah, excellent point. You know, and that's kind of a a big part of what swung things, I think, for Caleb Williams as well, because they had been an after. Now, obviously, having Lincoln Riley was a difference as well, but having him and those 42 touchdowns and everything else that we talked about before. Here are the Heisman Trophy odds right now. Williams is the leader in the clubhouse at plus 400 odds. Knicks, Penix, and Travis are all plus 1,200. Drake May is plus 1,500. And Sam Hartman also has plus 1,500 odds. He's tied with May for the fifth best Heisman odds right now. Or the sixth best Heisman odds. No, one, two, three, four. Yeah, fifth best (laughs) right now. But he had plus 3,000 odds back in December. So he's halved those odds since December. Uh, and if you're like me and you got good money on those plus 3000, you know, pat yourself on the back. If you, if you put something down <laughs> back in <laughs> December, but I like, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for him. Like he could be a top five quarterback, but not necessarily be a top five pick. And the question was, will he be a top five pick? And I, I think that probably Williams and may, uh, go in that top five. I, I don't necessarily think as of right now that Sam Hartman will, but he's again, he's got a really good chance to elevate himself. And the point that you made about if Notre Dame is in that playoff mix at the end of the season, then the biggest difference is going to be Sam Hartman. And I think that that is going to, uh, to go in his favor. Uh, Tommy guns said, so would $1 <laughs> 
win you no a hundred. No, it would win you a hundred. No, no, no. A hundred wins you three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. So I bet, I bet ten at plus three thousand back in December. So it wins a little over three hundred, basically. Yeah. Nice. If obviously, if he wins the Heisman, but it was a you know easy ten dollar bet. I mean, yeah, if you don't, you know, everyone's got 10 bucks laying around. And based on this chat, Sam Hartman's the uh, the best college quarterback. So all of you should be putting 10 bucks down and making it easy 3000 by the time the uh, Heisman Trophy is announced. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash Irish. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So here's a question. Son of 66, if the quarterback battle is close going into the fall, do you go with experience in Hartman or upside in Buckner? This is a no-brainer to me. Experience. Yes. Experience is going to, you know, what is going to win you those close and nitty-gritty games. And, you know, this is, I think, something I've talked about before. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't like the voodoo or taboo word of Brian Kelly, but, you know, one of Brian Kelly's best traits was grinding out some of those ugly games at the end and just making sure that they got the win. And I think that was the difference that you saw in first year Marcus Freeman last year and losing to Marshall and Stanford is he just didn't know from lack of experience how to grind out 
you know, some of those late wins that, that require, I think just a little bit extra um, coaching. So for me, you're talking about experience factor there. Yeah. Okay, the see, overall experience. It took me a second to see where you were going with that, but okay. <laughs> I get it. The, just the experience factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, Again, that's why you brought in Sam Hartman because of the fact that he's got those 38 starts. Like that's that's why he's here. It, I saw some people saying, "Well, Tyler Buckner knows the offense better." Well, it's still spring. <laughs> it's like Sam like the offense what the offense was wasn't even really known until about a month ago because you had to switch offensive coordinators. Hartman got a really late start on that because of Tommy Reese taking the Alabama job and and everything else. So if it is if it is a close race, you have to go with Sam Hartman. This is not an upside type seat. Do, do you want a college football playoff, you know, birth at a minimum, or you know, do you want more growing pains over the course of the season? Like if you're talking about upside, you brought in Sam Hartman because he can win you football games. All that experience can win you football games. By the time the season starts, he'll be okay, and he has Navy. And he has Tennessee State, you know, to get himself going and more acclimated in that offense as well. So that's uh, to me, it's it's a no brainer. It's absolutely Sam Hartman. Tyler Buckner has to clearly be better than Sam Hartman for him to get the the starting job. I think going into yeah, the season. I completely agree. It's just to your point, you don't bring in Sam Hartman uh, for no reason. He gives you a better odds opportunity at the whole thing and that's what you're playing for every year especially when you're on the stage that Notre Dame is you don't at Notre Dame you're not playing you know for eight and four nine and three solid bowl game you're playing yeah. for the whole thing every year Michael says I don't need Sam Hartman experience to beat Navy no you don't but it's also the season opener and you're not going to experiment with quarterbacks and just say well let's just go with Tyler Buckner or, you know, for, for this one, because it's Navy, it's you name a starting quarterback and that's who you're going to ride with, you know? And, and again, that's why you brought in Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman is not here to sit the bench if they're, they're close going into the season. I mean, if they're close, that's nothing but good news because it means Tyler Buckner has improved quite a bit. So there's nothing wrong with that either. <laughs> What's that? I just, you know, it, it, a lot of people, yeah, it'd be great to see Tyler Buckner, you know, against Navy and Tennessee State. But, I mean, let's be realistic. And 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 the team that we've been watching and cheering for for years and years is, you know, when does Notre Dame blow out teams that they're supposed to? You know, they play these max schools. Those games ended up being really close. And, and these games that they're supposed to blow people out, it never happens. It never right. happens. And so I get it. That's good, realistic you know, um, things that you might some, not dreams, but like things that you would hope to see. But the, to me, the matter of the fact is Notre Dame just doesn't blow out people like Alabama and Georgia does that they're supposed to blow out. So to me, it's just, that's never a given. I want to see Sam Hartman out there getting better and learning how to control this Notre Dame offense early. So by the time they get into the middle of the season, back half of the season against some of these tougher opponents, he knows how to navigate. He's battle tested within this offense. Yeah. Anthony says Tyler should be playing most of the second half against Navy and Tennessee State, and that's just what you're talking about. Yeah, if Notre Dame takes care of business, fine, but you got to take care of business first. You know that's that's what it comes down to. You got to you got to dominate the teams that you're supposed to dominate. Yeah, should they? Yeah. 
Cliff Kingsbury is set to join Lincoln Riley's staff at USC to work with quarterbacks. Big deal, little deal, or no deal? So this isn't a big deal to me, but this isn't a little deal to me. Uh, or sorry, this isn't a no deal to me. So I'm stuck right in the uh, the little deal. And, and why it's not a big deal is because at the end of the day, you know, Cliff Kingsbury um, isn't running the show. It is still Lincoln Riley's team. It's Lincoln Riley's kind of overall offense um, and, and way of, you know, overall thinking. I think that him and Cliff have a lot of things in common in turn when it comes to, you know, their offense and how they run things schematically. But why it's a little deal uh, is because you're just adding another great mind to the room. This is a guy that has NFL experience um, that, you know, the trials and tribulations that come along with that, the experience, the, you know, being in immersed in college, you know, or sorry, NFL and college schemes at this point, it's just another great mind. And at the end of the day, you're not going to say no to another great mind. And so that's why it's a, a little deal to me because he's not, he's not, at the end of the day, he's not running the show. Uh, Lincoln is, but he's again, he's just another good offensive mind in the room. So it, it's it it provides a boost, not not like a huge boost, but uh, at least a little boost, in my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting that he's taking a step all the way back from NFL head coach to working with quarterbacks. And remember, before he became an NFL head coach, Clay Helton hired Kingsbury to his staff, he was supposed to be the offensive coordinator at USC, but he was there for what, maybe a month at the, it was kind of like Gino Gadouli at Wisconsin. Like he got there and then he had another opportunity. He took the head coaching job at Arizona. I think Cliff King, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has been doing it for a long time. He's been working with quarterbacks for a long time, but I and think his, he gets, you know, Kyler think, Murray's game is very similar to Caleb Williams game. Right. But can you make the case that Kyler Murray regressed this past year? And you can. I, I think that Kingsbury gets a bit of a free pass because he's connected to Patrick Mahomes, you know? <laughs> and seriously, like other than that, like Patrick Mahomes and, and Kyler Murray, who else is on his resume that's that you know that's like a big deal, either in college football or you know, the like because they worked with Cliff Kingsbury. I know that there's been other guys connected to him. You know, like I, I know that Baker Mayfield, you know, transferred out of Texas Tech and all that kind of stuff. But like, who else is there? And, you know, again, like Patrick Mahomes in that offense was was tearing it up at Texas Tech. It didn't translate into uh, a whole lot of success for Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. But again, he's going back from not even – head coach to offensive coordinator he's going back to being a quarterbacks coach i'm sure he'll be fine but he's also going to get to work with the reigning heisman winner you know so it's like it's not like that should be that tough a job for kingsbury so i'm going with little deal as well with uh kingsbury getting the job at usc and it's still yet to be completely defined role it sounds like as well because they're saying working with quarterbacks but they never came out and said quarterbacks coach so well, I mean, if you're Cliff, you're getting a lot of money, you know, from Arizona. Basically, he didn't have to do anything, but I think just to kind of stay on his feet, uh, USC was the easiest position to go to with, you know, like he could basically work as much as he wants, it sounds like, kind of put in as much effort as he wants, and that will be enough for Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Fill in the blank. It's blank that last week's UConn-San Diego State Men's Basketball National Championship game is the lowest viewed championship game on record. 
is logical. And the reason why it's logical, whether you like it or not, is they were just two boring teams, you know, like they don't have the national attention that some of these more true blue bloods, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, you know, insert a SEC team, not to, that they're a blue blood, but they would draw more of a crowd. Um, I, I just think that not enough people care about San Diego State and UConn and the fact that, you know, these are two defensive minded, you know, teams. And, and again, this isn't taking away oh, from the man. matchup or, you know, the overall, you know, the, there's a ton of NBA talent on that UConn team, but it's just a boring overall game in terms of what college fans look for. They want the scoring, they want the high pace. And it's that's the opposite of what that game was going to provide. Yeah. It got 14.6 million viewers, almost 14.7. The previous low was in 2018 when Villanova, Michigan got uh, just (laughs) under 16 million. Last year's Kansas-North Carolina game, 18.1 million. So a pretty big difference there. I mean, the the whole formula with March Madness, especially from a TV standpoint, upsets early, blue bloods late. You know, that's that's what it comes down to. It just wasn't sexy enough. UConn against San Diego State. And again, like for people who want to put UConn in that blue blood mix, I'm sorry. But if, you know, like, again, like if if UConn, depending on what your definition of blue blood is, like if, if they were sexier, if they were blue bloodier, <laughs> like there would have been more eyeballs on that game, regardless of it was San Diego State or whoever. So it's completely expected that they would get such a low rating for a game like that, a low uh, matchup like that. Fill in the blank. Former Syracuse basketball coach Jim Beheim has taken some shots at Miami's men's basketball team. He recently said Miami bought its Final Four team, and when asked about it again, he said this, quote, I tell the truth, and if you're going to get in trouble telling the truth, I said Miami bought their team. I should have just said they did great NIL work. So a phrase was wrong. But they did. NIL got them here. Fact. And NIL helped other teams. Period. Bayheim's comments, Jess, are blank. Bayheim's comments are filled with jealousy and pity me vibes, in my opinion, because, you know, the jealousy is Bayheim is at the back end of his career and he finally got the opportunity to use this NIL, you know, money. And I've, of course, that's going to be attractive in terms of college basketball and the transfer portal and everything that goes along with it. And so I'm sure that he wishes he had, you know, what's going on now 15 years ago and not when he's, you know, wrapping up his career and the pity me comes from kind of the same, same kind of dialogue is, you know, he didn't, he wasn't able to use or take advantage of these kind of NIL deals uh, throughout his career and I'm sure he his overall philosophy is, you know, I had to work for my national championship. I had to work for my five final four, you know, appearances. But he was blessed with a guy named Carmelo Anthony. You know, that's what got him his national championship. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like a lot of like pity and jealousy uh, towards the back end of his career because he didn't get the opportunity to use these resources um, now. And, and I, I don't know why he's taking the shot at Miami specifically. Um, I think Jim Laranega is a good guy and a good coach. Um, and it's not like they, they played within the rules. Everyone had the opportunity to play within the rules. That's and that's it. why I think it's even more of a jealousy and pity me situation. That's exactly it. It's selective outrage. And it's always 
selective outrage from guys like Bayheim and you know Coach K and the Sabins of the world. You know they'll they're act that they'll, they'll act like oh we're going to take the high road in this instant. You know as long as the system is working in their favor. But the minute you know things pivot and the system doesn't completely support them, they start whining about all these inequities because they don't have every advantage now. And you're exactly right. Like Bayheim had no problem. Carmelo Anthony, you know, one and done guy back in in 2003. That was part of the system as well. And, you know, whatever system he had for year, decades, you know, almost five decades, he was completely fine with it. Things changed a little bit at the end, and he's going to go out whining about it because he always whines about stuff. That's what he's always done, whatever things don't completely fit him. And, you know, you said it exactly right there at the end. You know, like the system is what the system is. It's there for everyone to use and take advantage of if they choose. Apparently, he couldn't take advantage of it in that way and or Syracuse wouldn't take advantage of it. You know, but like, just because you choose to use the system doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Just ask old Jimbo down there at Texas A&M. <laughs> you know, it right. went all in on NIL too. And it hasn't necessarily worked out for them just yet. So I just, nah. So the NBA's play-in games start tonight. Fill in the blank. Those play-in games are blank. Uh, the NBA play-in games are not as exciting um, as they could be. So tonight features the Atlanta Hawks um, and the Miami Heat. Not really too stoked about that matchup. Miami's a good defensive team, but they just don't have anybody offensively that's like a superstar, right? And you start looking at Atlanta um, overall. They're, they're not great either. Trey Young. You know, they just play average basketball. And I, I see a lot of people complaining about these play-in games saying, you know, that essentially why, you know, they don't necessarily like them. Um, and, and I tend to agree with kind of based off of that Miami and Atlanta, you know, matchup. But then you start looking at, you know, the Lakers and Timberwolves matchup tonight. That game would be a lot better if, uh, you know, I don't know, Rudy Gobert didn't throw a punch at his teammate and now is suspended for this game. A guy that they acquired in the offseason gave up a lot for. Um, and now he can't play. And then another one of their players, um, Daniels or McDaniels, I can't remember which one, was so frustrated with what was going on in the team huddle that he punched a wall going into the locker room and broke his hand. So right. now you're out without two of your starters in a do-or-die game You know that your whole season rides on. So these games are somewhat exciting, but they could be a lot more exciting considering the Timberwolves are missing two starters and the, the Heat and, and Hawks game is just well, kind of blah uh, as is. Yeah, I, I didn't expect you to do, like, full breakdowns of all these matchups tonight. I just think, like, the idea, this is, what, the third year that they've done these play-in games now? Something like that? Is that right? Like, yes. I, I just I just think it's it's been good for the NBA. I, I think that having these play-in games kind of generates a little excitement with these teams fighting to get their way into the full playoff field and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think that they've been really good – you know, like both the NBA and Major League Baseball have tweaked their playoff formats here in in the last few years. And I guess for that matter, the NFL did as well, just by expanding an extra wildcard team a couple of years ago. So I, I think it's I think it's been good. And I know a lot of people talk about watered down and this and that, but these are these are one and done, do or die games for the most part, because they do get they get second chances, right? Like if you lose Yeah, so tonight, seven and eight. Seven yeah. and eight play each other. The winner automatically goes on as the seven seed. Right. Uh, nine and, and the ten. The loser plays another game. Yeah, right. basically the seven and eight has to lose twice, and the nine and ten has to win twice. Yeah. But the seven eight matchup only needs to win one. So, yeah, 
in a, in a in a roundabout way that's kind of the the format of it all right So on Sunday night's episode of Succession, there was a major plot twist, the death of one of the main characters. Now, I'm not going to spoil it here on this show, but <laughs> the show is televised live on HBO every week. It's not a streamer, obviously, like Netflix, Apple, Amazon, whatever, but there's always a chance for spoilers. So what do you think the media's obligation should be in terms of if and when they should reveal spoilers you know like how long after the episode is it okay to publicly be talking about this kind of stuff do you think you know this is we, we live in a world where a lot of people are busy um they don't get to get the opportunity there's a lot on and you don't get the opportunity to keep up with your shows live time every week like i know like i'm a couple episodes behind um ted lasso right now and you know, so on and so forth. So there's shows that I record uh, so I can go back and watch them. But I understand that, you know, in terms of like breaking news and things to talk about and, you know, you, you, you can't necessarily wait until everyone's caught up. Like, I understand that. So I would set my limit at like two whole days, I think would hmm. be my obligation of when things could be discussed, because I think there would be an understanding of, OK, well, I'm a recording person. I should stay away from you know, things that might give me uh, insight of what's going on. But if, if you're one of those people who wants to keep up with everything and, you know, you love the, 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 the kind of the gossip that goes around your favorite shows, I think two whole days is reasonable. You know, one day kind of you get the that, that's kind of like your buffer day. And then a second day um, in case, you know, you, you got to work it back into to your schedule if you recorded it. So I'm at a, a solid two days would be my buffer. Yeah. You know, you know, like I think with the tweeting and stuff like that, I think that that's where more things get spoiled, like people on Twitter. And, you know, I guess my question is, if you're on Twitter, why weren't you watching the show that you're so attached to live <laughs> right. when it was on, you know, when, when it's in the final season and stuff like that? But, you know, obviously it's not just this show, but other shows as well. I think for the most part, there's been a lot of media that's done a good job. Like you've seen headlines that just say, you know, major major death or, you know, what, you know, whatever major plot twist in succession, but they haven't mentioned it in the actual headlines. There was a newspaper, a major newspaper that actually wrote a, uh, a, like a fake obituary for the character who died. See, and it's like, it's been three days now, or I guess it's only been two. It's been, it's been two going on 48 hours and I'm still not saying it, you know, even though I don't, I don't know how much people care, but I think that I think 24 hours, is the limit because it was on live TV, you know? And it's like, if you haven't watched it by then, then that's on you. And you're probably a couple seasons behind and you probably won't remember anyway, exactly what happened. So 24 hours is my limit. I think. <laughs> I knew that 24 would be yours. And you I did, knew huh? <laughs> that one day would have to be, um, now, same but different, but I still remember flying home from a Notre Dame baseball trip, the 2005 National Championship game between North Carolina and Illinois, getting all the way back, the plane lands, and then someone, you know, I had I had managed to avoid it. I had the game recording. I was going to watch it when I got home, and then someone spoiled it on the plane. It might have even been on the bus when we were pulling in. They were like, oh, North Carolina won. 
Spoiler, 18 years later. But <laughs> gosh, has it already been 18 years? It has, I guess. But 24 is my limit for me. So, uh, and see, I, I still went this whole thing and I didn't, it, it, you've never watched Succession, have you? I haven't. I have not. You've got us, uh, we're doing a rewatch of Entourage right now. <laughs> I perked, uh, brought we're, that back up. We're somewhere early in season two. We started watching them, I think maybe Sunday, Saturday. I don't know when exactly it was, but we started doing a, an Entourage binge. And by the way, um, HBO Max does have Entourage the movie archived on there. Nice. So I can go back and watch that. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for being here tonight. Uh, Again, coming up tomorrow, Brian and I are going to have a live show at two o'clock. We'll talk about what happened at Notre Dame. Excuse me. At Notre Dame practice. We'll let Vince and I will have a mailbag show Wednesday night as well. So we've got a lot coming up tomorrow. So uh, we've got practice viewing in the morning. We'll get to watch about half the practice. Brian and I will talk about it at two o'clock. So we'll plan on being here then smash the like button on your way out. If you haven't already hit it. And again, we appreciate you being here. Things have been getting a little uh, salty without salty in the chat tonight. There's been a lot of back and forth uh, in the chat this evening, Jesse, I will talk to you later. Everybody else. We will talk to you later as well. Ivy nation sports stuff. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.